This is VOA News reporting by remote. I'm Michael Brown. The U.S. Justice Department has broken its silence after this week's FBI search of former President Donald Trump's Florida home. AP Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. After announcing his department wants the Mar-a-Lago search warrant unsealed. This is all I can say at this time. Attorney General Merrick Garland said that's what the law and fairness dictate. GOP Senator Lindsey Graham, a Trump ally, says when it comes to the ex-president, fairness doesn't exist. Is it plausible the FBI would investigate President Trump without merit? Yes saying Garland must explain exactly why the search happened. And you may have a good reason, but there is so much suspicion out there. Texas Congressman Troy Nails is more blunt. They want to destroy this guy. Telling the AP it doesn't really matter what a corrupt Justice Department says. They lie to the American people. Sagar Magani, Washington. Power was restored in downtown Toronto on Thursday after an outage left the offices of Canada's top businesses in the dark, forced the evacuation of one of the city's biggest shopping malls, and trapped people in elevators. Hydro One, Ontario's biggest electric distribution centre, said a barge moving a crane hit three high-voltage transmission lines, causing damage to equipment at a power station. Toronto is Canada's biggest city and its financial capital, and the Central Business District is home to the country's largest bank, insurers, and the stock operator. The power failure comes just over a month after the glitch at Rogers Communications crippled a telecom services for a large number of users and services across Canada for nearly 19 hours. This is VOA News. Wildfires continued to spread through France, Spain, and Portugal on Thursday as record-breaking heat waves plagued Europe, prompting the head of the European Space Agency to demand immediate action on climate change. A monster wildfire has destroyed thousands of hectares in the Gironde region area of southwest France, and more than 1,000 firefighters have struggled to control the blazes, which has forced about 10,000 people from their homes. An armed man is dead after a shootout with authorities in the U.S. state of Ohio. Get more on the story from Lisa Dwyer. Ohio State Patrol spokesman Lieutenant Nathan Dennis says an armed man who tried to breach the FBI's Cincinnati office was shot and killed by police after he fled the scene, leading to an hours-long standoff. Uh, the suspect then raised the firearm toward law enforcement, and that's when the shots were fired at the suspect. The suspect has been identified as 42-year-old Ricky Schiffer, who may have had ties to far-right extremist groups, including the Proud Boys. Schiffer is believed to have been in Washington in the days leading up to the January 6, 2021 insurrection and may have been present at the Capitol on the day of the attack. There have been growing threats in recent days against FBI agents and offices across the country since federal agents executed a search warrant at former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. I'm Lisa Dwyer. The United States' top public health agency is relaxing its COVID-19 guidelines and dropping the recommendation that Americans quarantine themselves if they come into close contact with an infected person. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention also said Thursday that people no longer need to stay at least six feet away from others. The changes are driven by a recognition that more than two and a half years since the start of the pandemic, an estimated 95% of Americans 16 and older have acquired some level of immunity. 
either from being vaccinated or infected. Former Sri Lankan President Gatabaya Rajapaksa arrived in Thailand on Thursday, according to three Reuters witnesses, as he seeks temporary shelter in a second Southeastern Asian country after fleeing his island nation last month amid mass protests. Rajapaksa is expected to stay temporarily in Thailand after fleeing Sri Lanka for Singapore on July the 14th. As always, for details on much more news, we invite you to join us at our website, that is voanews.com, also on the VOA mobile app. I'm Michael Brown, reporting by remote, VOA News. Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm James Butte in Washington. Today is Friday, August 12th, and here are some of the stories we are covering. Rwanda and Democratic Republic of Congo leaders to begin talks on ending regional tensions. Both presidents have agreed to engage in direct talks with each other. They're both ready to resume the talks in the context of the Nairobi process with armed groups, and both welcome the continued U.S. engagement in support of African-led mediation efforts. Kenyans continue their vigil for results three days after going to the polls to elect a new president. DRC authorities hunt for hundreds of prisoners after massive jailbreak. Nigerian officials say airstrikes killed 55 members of kidnapping gangs. Sierra Leone's government blames unnamed politicians for Wednesday's deadly protest. We believe that behind yesterday's insurrection by the terrorists, there must be politicians who had orchestrated it, who had planned it, who had financed it, and who ensured that it was clinically carried out. And the U.S. Justice Department seeks to unseal the warrant used to search the Florida residence of former President Donald Trump. Those stories plus Samson O'Malley's sports are coming up on Daybreak Africa. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says Rwanda and the Democratic Republic of Congo have agreed to begin talks to ease tensions over fighting in eastern Congo. Blinken, speaking in Rwanda on Thursday, said he also raised human rights concerns and the detention of U.S. permanent resident Paul Rusesi Bagina. Senandu Toward reports from Kigali, Rwanda. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Thursday the presidents of Rwanda and Democratic Republic of Congo Paul Kagame and Felix Chisekedi, respectively, have agreed to open direct communications aimed at ending the ongoing tensions in the Eastern Congo. The two leaders have accused each other of supporting rebel groups in the chronically volatile region. Blinken, in his address, warned that supporting and cooperating with armed groups will endanger local communities and threaten Central Africa's stability. He urged the two groups to be respectful of each other's territory. Blinken said both Kagame and Chisakedi welcomed the United States' support and committed to begin processes towards achieving stability. Both presidents have agreed to engage in direct talks with each other. They're both ready to resume the talks in the context of the Nairobi process with armed groups. And both welcome the continued U.S. engagement in support of African-led mediation efforts. The Nairobi process was an initiative by the outgoing president of Kenya, Uhuru Kenyatta, that brought the heads of states of East African countries together to find lasting solutions to the disturbances in Eastern Congo. 
Blinken also addressed issues surrounding Rwanda's detention of U.S. permanent resident Paul Rusasabajina, who is credited with saving hundreds of people during Rwanda's 1994 genocide and inspired the film Hotel Rwanda. He said he expressed his candid views to Kagame and will continue to engage on the matter. We have been clear about our concerns related to Paul Rusasabajina's uh, trial and conviction, uh, particularly the lack of uh, fair trial guarantees. Um, we continue to urge the government to address uh, concerns about uh, the uh, legal protections afforded to him in this case and establish safeguards to prevent similar outcomes in the future. Rosa Sabagina was taken to Rwanda under false pretenses in 2020 and sentenced to 25 years in prison on terrorism charges last year. Rwandan Foreign Minister Vincent Biruta said Thursday the government has broken no laws. This was done lawfully but under both Rwandan and international laws. Therefore, Rwanda will continue to abide by our laws and the decisions made by our judiciary. And we will request our partners to respect Rwanda's sovereignty, Rwanda's laws, and its institutions. Blinken emphasized the U.S. commitments to be equal partners with Rwanda in advancing shared priorities, tackling global challenges, and bettering the condition of the country's citizens. Sena Anutot for VOA News. Chigali, Rwanda. Kenyans continued their vigil for results three days after they went to the polls on Tuesday to elect a new president. As of late Thursday, Deputy President William Ruto and main contender Raila Odinga were virtually tied. Abdul Shakur Abud of VO Swahili Service is in the Kenyan capital, Nairobi. He tells me that some Kenyans seem confused about the new process of counting ballots. It's difficult to say the results because each media house is collecting results and counting them according to their possibilities and ways they have set up. They take the results from the IEDC portal and then they tabulate them and they keep it announcing. Right now, as we speak, you will see the same results of Raila Ruto, the two candidates exchanging the numbers, and they're almost neck to neck. Uh, Raila, if I look at citizen, it's 49.35, Ruto 49.25. But what is significant by this morning is that IEBC has started announcing results for the governorship, for the members of parliament, for the Senate women sit, local government, and all that. So they are going to start verifying and announcing results from all constituencies, and we hope that we'll get results on the weekend. Shakur, I'm looking at the live website of the Nation newspaper, and the results there are Deputy President William Ruto with 50.19% of the vote, and Raila Odinga with 49.13% of the vote. And you are saying that different media houses are presenting their own results, is that right? Yes, definitely. Can they lead to some confusion for the citizens? You have already some confusion. People are not understanding. People are confused in Kenya on what results to depend on. But here is what is happening. Each media house pulls the results from IEBC portal. But there are more than 46,000 polling stations. And each station has to come up with a form which is known as Form 43A. And that gives the results of all the presidential government and everything. So each media house has to pull from each constituency and start adding. So the addition takes a lot of time. And uh, if each media house, let's say nation, might have 500 people, but citizen has 200. So nation will be ahead of what citizen is counting. 
So when citizens announce immediately what it has counted, it will be still behind nation, and that's where the confusion is. Because let's say nations has counted 70% of the vote, while citizen has counted only 50. The results will be different. So if you don't understand that dynamic of calculation, you'll be lost. And that's what the majority of people are having a problem. And that's where the confusion is. This is a new system they created, calling it transparency. For uh, international observers, felt that was a good one, but it can create confusion. So those are the preliminary results for the presidential candidates. We also know that Kenyans went to the polls on Tuesday to elect members of parliament. What can you tell us about parliamentary election results? What we can say is quite difficult because there are almost 80 political parties and they have formed alliances. So you have to really follow very closely to know which party is. But what is very clear is that all members of parliaments who are vying for the jubilee of Uhuru Kenyatta have all lost. Big figures in Kenyan politics have lost their seats. Ministers who are vying for seats have lost their seats to Ruto's party. Shako, thank you so much again for bringing our listeners up to date on the Kenyan election. We do appreciate it. Thank you very much for inviting me. That was Abdul Shako Aboud of VOA Swahili Service on assignment in the Kenyan capital, Nairobi. Authorities in the Democratic Republic of Congo are searching for hundreds of inmates who escaped from a prison when government attacked a facility Tuesday night. Five people, including two policemen, were killed during a jailbreak in the city of Butembo. Victoria Amuga reports from VOA's Africa News Center in Nairobi, Kenya. More than 800 inmates escaped from the Kakwanguru Central Prison in the eastern DRC town of Butembo, when dozens of gunmen attacked the jail and freed prisoners overnight Tuesday. Reuters reported that only 58 out of 874 inmates remained when the attack was over. Kanopolo Ngoma, the police boss in Butembo, said Thursday that police have captured about 50 of the escaped prisoners. Ngoma told VOA that some of those captured were hiding with their families, while others were inside the homes of friends. He said officers are still searching for many other prisoners on the run. We are working hard to catch them, he said. We are not just sitting. We have to get them back to prison. Authorities say the escapees are dangerous criminals. Most of the inmates in the central prison were jailed for murder and aiding terror groups. Anthony Mwalushai, the spokesman for the DRC's army operations against armed groups, said the Allied Democratic Forces rebel group was responsible for the jailbreak. In 2020, the ADF was linked to a prison break that freed over 1,000 inmates in Beni in northeastern Congo. Victoria Amunga for VOA News, Nairobi. Listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America and James Party in Washington today is Friday, August 12. Still to come on our program, Samson O'Malley Sports. Sierra Leone's information minister says Wednesday's violent protests in the capital, Freetown, and other parts of the country were unlawful and the work of terrorists whose only intent, he said, was to overthrow the government of President Julius Madabio. 
Mohamed Rahman Suarez says the demonstration was an insurrection and financed by politicians who he did not name. Police said in a statement on Thursday that four of its officers were killed and scores of public and private properties destroyed. The police also said they arrested 113 suspects. Vice President Mohamed Jallo declared a nationwide curfew on Wednesday as President Madabio was out of the country on a private visit to the United Kingdom. Organizers said the protest was about the high cost of living in Sierra Leone. Information Minister Rachman Suarez tells me the insurrection was an attack on democracy and good governance in Sierra Leone. Yesterday, there was a major insurrection of terrorists who attacked the capital with a view to taking over state house, parliament building, and ultimately overthrowing the government. You know, so it took the combined efforts of the military and the police to forestall that. And just after that, the Honorable Vice President had to declare a coffee from 3 to 7 a.m. this morning so that his forces could stabilize the situation. But this was an attack on the very core values of this country, a frontal attack on democracy and good governance, and a potential threat to reverse our hard-won gains we have made in the transition from war to peace and peace consolidation now. Wait a minute, Mr. Minister. The protesters were, according to them, protesting the high cost of living. What proof does your government have that this was an attempt to overthrow your government? But this is complete nonsense. You don't go on a peaceful protest with machetes, cutlasses. You don't go on a peaceful protest with pistols, with self-loading machine guns, attacking government buildings, killing, um, serving police officers and civilians. That cannot be the definition of a peaceful protest. Right? And besides, in our country, there are clear laws stipulated in the Constitution for people who want to express dissent. You don't go dissent with cutlasses, machetes, and all of those weapons, and burning down police stations, killing people. That is not my definition of a peaceful process. But didn't your government grant permission for the protest to take place? In the first place, no permission was sought as per law required, so you cannot grant permission that was not requested. So they were definitely in violation of the law, and they came with such brute force that they had to be stopped. If there was no permission, how do you suppose, Mr. Minister, that these people were able to organize such a large protest? Well, that's exactly the point. We believe that behind yesterday's insurrection by the terrorists, there must be politicians who had orchestrated it, who had planned it, who had financed it, and who ensured that it was clinically carried out. But for the professionalism of the joint forces, I mean, anything could have happened in free time. So what can you tell us about injuries, casualties uh, to police officers? Because we are reading all kinds of reports on the Internet about injuries to law enforcement, and also what about the protesters? What do you know? Well, um, we can confirm we lost over four serving officers who had left their families, their homes in the morning to answer the call of national service. Those ones never returned to their families again. A few armless civilians were killed in the process. And to those people, we want on behalf of government to express our deepest condolences to their families. What happens now to those who have been arrested? When you had the insurrection, on January 6th, the assault on Capitol building, people were arrested and they faced the full force of the law. Some people were jailed, some are facing trial. We're going to do the same thing here. This is a country of law and order. This strike yesterday was an attack on democracy and the core values for which this country is known. We are reputed in Africa as the fourth most peaceful country here. In the Manor River Union, we are the most peaceful country. Those are the gains that those insurrectionists tried to top it with yesterday. We will not sit idly by as government 
to see anybody torpedo the hard-won gains we have made as a government. Mr. Minister, thank you so much. It's so nice to talk with you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Mohamed Rakmeswari is Sierra Leone's information minister. He was speaking with us from the capital, Freetown. Nigeria's Air Force says airstrikes this week killed 55 members of criminal gangs who were involved in abduction for ransom operations. An Air Force spokesperson says after the airstrikes that the militants released people they were holding hostage. Nigeria's government has come under criticism for failing to stop mass abductions and Islamist militant attacks. Timothy Obiezu has more from the Nigerian capital, Abuja. The Nigerian Air Force says airstrikes in north central kaduna state on tuesday killed 28 members of a kidnapping for ransom gang including a gang leader it says many others were injured air force public relations director gabriel gapquet told reporters that authorities had received intelligence that the bandits were gathering in the area he said the success of the raid led to the release of captives held by the bandits gapquet said other airstrikes in northwestern Katsina State this week killed 27 bandits. He did not take calls from VOA for further comment. The airstrikes come a week after Nigerian President Muhammad Buhari presided over a national security meeting and said he had given security forces the full freedom to deal with terrorists. Darlington Abdullahi, president of the Alumni Association of Nigeria's National Defense College, says the president's words were a morale booster for troops. This kind of thing should not come as a surprise. All you need is uh, the political will to guide the action of, uh, of the forces. I think uh, they're getting uh, probably that support that is required uh, to deal with the situation. From the utterances, But Gapquet said the military has also been conducting air operations targeting insurgents in northeastern Borno State. He said that included an August 6th raid in the village of Gazua that followed intelligence that terrorists from Boko Ram and Splinter Group Islamic State West Africa Province, Iswap, were fighting each other. Nigeria has been fighting an Islamist insurgency in the Northeast for more than 12 years. Authorities have been heavily criticized for failing to address general insecurity that stems from the insurgency and rampant kidnapping. Abdullahi says the military must stay on the offensive. As long as this continues, I think the military still has opportunity to take on them before they organize themselves uh, properly. I think the security agencies really have to continue the efforts to deal with the situation uh, decisively. Earlier this week, police said they had arrested four suspects connected to a church attack in the southwest state of Undo that killed 40 worshippers. But security analyst Senator Irebu says authorities have shown a lack of political will to address the problem far too long. The challenge we're having is that the political will is not there especially from the presidency. There is no clear-cut directive on what to do. Anytime you hear that it's sounding frustrated, they keep on um, pushing the blame to others, not taking responsibility, not taking charge. In July, Islamic State West Africa province claimed responsibility for a jailbreak in Abuja that freed over 400 inmates. 
including high-profile terrorism detainees. Only a few of the prisoners have since been recaptured. Timothy Obiezu for VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria. The U.S. Justice Department has asked a court to unseal the warrant used for this week's search of former President Donald Trump's residence in Florida. More from VOA's Chief National Correspondent Steve Herman in Washington. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, without going into specifics about what documents agents of the Federal Bureau of Investigation were seeking, told reporters on Thursday there was probable cause for the action and that he personally approved the decision. The department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. The Justice Department, according to Garland, filed the motion to make public the warrant and a list of what was seized in light of Trump's public confirmation of the search, the surrounding circumstance, and the substantial public interest in the matter. Garland, who spoke at the Justice Department lectern for less than four minutes, took no questions from reporters in the room. Media reports indicate the FBI was seeking classified documents Trump allegedly removed from the White House as he was leaving office and did not return as requested by the National Archives. Republican lawmakers have strongly criticized the search as politically motivated to thwart an expected re-election bid by Trump in 2024. The White House says it was not made aware of the federal law enforcement action, nor ordered it. Steve Herman, VOA News, Washington. It's time now for Daybreak Africa Sports, and here is Samson O'Malley in Abuja, Nigeria. A very good Friday morning to you, Samson. Good Friday morning to you too, James. We begin the sports in Morocco, where Vahid Halihajik, the coach who helped the Atlas Lions of Morocco qualify for the World Cup, was fired on Thursday, barely three months before the start of the tournament in Qatar. The Moroccan Soccer Federation said the decision to fire Vahid was because of disagreements in preparing the team for the tournament. Morocco is scheduled to play its first match on November the 23rd against 2018 World Cup finalist Croatia. The team will also play Belgium and Canada in Group F. Staying with football news, the Confederation of African Football CAF has launched the Africa Super League. The new competition is aimed at improving the quality of club football in Africa, both on and off the pitch. FIFA President Gianni Infantino and CAF President Dr. Patrice Musepe launched a new championship in the presence of football heads from the 52 CAF member nations in Arusha, Tanzania. CAF President Dr. Musepe said the objective of the Africa Super League is to make sure African club football is world-class and competitive. We are using the African Super League also to get money to develop football in every country in Africa. You will have seen the 54 million that will come from the African Super League goes back to all of the nations. We have to develop football in every single one of the African nations. The success of football on the continent depends on the success and growth of football in every one of our 54 nations. 
In women's football, defending champions Memelody Sundowns from South Africa will face Green Buffaloes from Zambia in the decider of the 2022 CAF Women's Champions League Kosafa qualifier with both teams also set to represent the region at the continental finals. Staying with women's football, Ghana's Black Princesses started their campaign with a 3-0 defeat at the hands of the United States of America in their opening Group D game of the 2022 FIFA Under-20. 20 Women's World Cup ongoing in Costa Rica. Ghana's next game will be against Japan on Sunday. Nigeria is the other African representative who opened their campaign against France late on Thursday. In cricket news, Kenya dashed the hopes of Ugandan cricket cranes of moving into the next round of the qualifiers in the ICC World Challenge after inflicting a 36-run loss on the cricket cranes. Uganda won the toss and elected to bowl in an important clash that could have seen Uganda move into second place, depending on how the results from the Hong Kong versus Jersey match. And finally, in basketball news, Angola defeated title contender Senegal 67 to 64 in the 2022 FIBA Under 18 African Championships quarterfinals to reach the semi final of the competition. They will face Egypt in a bid to clinch one of the two tickets on offer for African teams for the FIBA Under-19 Basketball World Cup. And that's it on Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, James, in Washington. Thank you, Samson. Have a nice weekend. And that's it for Friday, August 12th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for spending your week with us. For more African news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are also on YouTube, where you can catch our TV shows, Africa 54, Straight Talk Africa, and Red Carpet. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa crew, I'm James Butty in Washington, wishing you a fabulous weekend. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. Fallout from U.S. Speaker Nancy Pelosi's controversial visit to Taiwan and Russia's ongoing attacks on Ukraine. I speak with an East Asia expert about China's military and economic retaliation against Taiwan and with a Russia expert who will update us on Moscow's dangerous alleged missile attacks on Ukraine's Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. That's Press Conference U.S.